You're listening to Future of School, the podcast, and our special series, Students Speak, presented in partnership with National School Choice Week. In this series, you'll hear from students who have succeeded thanks to choices they were able to make in their K-12 education, including participation in blended and online learning. Welcome to our next episode of Students Speak, a podcast series that focuses on elevating the voices and experience of students. Today, we're joined by a special guest, Jazzy. Welcome, Jazzy. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's so great to hear about your experiences. Why don't you share with us what's going on right now as you're a sophomore at Patrick Henry College in Virginia? What is your educational experience like right now at college? Well, right now, we're actually pretty open with COVID. So we're doing all direct teaches. We don't have any of the online that a lot of other colleges are dealing with, which has been pretty great. I come from a blended background, but to have the direct teach and not have to deal with the online is very nice. So when you say you come from a blended background, do you mean different types of classes? Yes. So I come from a background where I did online and um, in-person teaching. Mm -hmm. So they used both to help educate us. Okay. So talk to us about that. Talk to our listeners about your school growing up, whether you, and you may have gone to more than one school, I don't know, but your K-12 experience. Talk to us about that. Okay. Uh, when I first started, we did mostly online. We used a homeschool curriculum that was kind of where we were all being homeschooled together, but not under our parents in a way. So it was all online, but our teachers decided that that wasn't the best option. So they switched it into a more of a blended environment where we could do online and direct teaches with harder math classes and science classes where we could be hands-on. And it was that blended environment that really helped us succeed. And was your school growing up, was it big or small? It was very small. Um, I graduated with a class of three students. Wow. So the whole three. school. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> very small. So we were all a very close family. Wow. I've heard of small schools. That's one of the smallest graduating classes I've heard of. What are what were some of the benefits of being in a school that has a, a relatively small population of learners? Definitely. We could work more at our own pace. It enabled us to get more hands-on help from the teachers. If we had a question, we really could just work on it with the teacher directly. It also enabled us to, like I said, kind of organize our day the way that we felt was best for our own needs and the way we learned. Okay. So did each of you in that environment, did you, each of you have your own laptop or computer that you could use? Yes. Okay. What were your interactions with your teachers like being in a small environment? Uh, it was wonderful. It was really amazing. Um, my teacher, she guided me not only in school, but in outside of academics with life choices. Um, it was a small Christian school, so she guided me spiritually too. And it was a wonderful environment. Very good. And were you there your, from kindergarten until you graduated? Yes, I was. Okay. Wow. One thing that you wrote in one of your scholarship essays that really struck me and hit me was a comment that you said that it's a simple fact that all children learn differently. So coming from a small environment where you graduated with three students, one might think that People could conform, kids might learn in similar ways because it's such a small group. So talk to our listeners about how you came to that epiphany that it's a simple fact that all children learn differently being in a small environment. The way our school was set up, we had different tracks is what we called them. And so when each student came in, they were kind of analyzed. The teachers decided 
where the students would fit in grade-wise, what they needed to do to learn. And so each student was really given their own kind of personalized education where some students would come in and they could do math on videos. Other students would come in and they really needed those hands-on. They needed blocks. They needed flashcards, things that they could touch and feel. Other students learned better auditorily. Um, And so really seeing how the teachers were able to specialize and personalize each student's education was how I came to that conclusion because my classmates and I, we learned differently. And I could see that as we progressed through classes together or took different classes based on our own needs and desires. It sounds like you had a firsthand look then at watching them grow and watching the benefits of that personalized learning opportunity. Yes. yes. Um, being in the small school, you know, when kindergartners would come in, I would I was able to watch them grow too, which was pretty mm-hmm. neat. So watching them go from kindergarten to fifth grade or whatever it may be, I was able to see and really watch how they learned with the education. Yeah. Well, and you're giving our listeners something really important to think about and ponder because oftentimes we hear about rural schools, you know, schools that are have geographic limitations or schools that have limited bandwidth with internet, that school, then those students have limited options. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like that this environment that you were in, that this school defied a lot of those barriers by building in different options and choice. Is that true? Yes. Okay. So it sounds like the teachers would say, okay, we have these four or five different ways that you can master this assignment. We're, you know, we're going to give you these different ways that are aligned with your learning style. Then was it up to the child to decide how they wanted to do it? Was it up to the parents? Who made the ultimate decision about how the the student could demonstrate knowledge? Mm. When When the students first entered the school, um, whatever grade that may be, the parents decided initially which track they wanted their kid to go on, whether that was like honors college bound track, a more just graduating high school track or something where they needed more help along the way, but kind of a special needs track. But after that, when once kids were in their track, then they could decide how much effort they really wanted to put into their schooling, where they were trying to get with their schooling and the best way to get there. Okay, that makes sense. And throughout your childhood, we'll say, let's go to high school. How did you make choices about your education, whether it be about high school or about getting ready for college? What was the process by which you went through to make and consider the decisions and choices that were ahead of you? That's a tough question. Uh, I think a lot had to do with how I was raised. My parents really pushed me to do the best that I could. And then I'm a bit of a type A personality, so (laughs) I always wanted to go for the hardest classes and do the honors programs and really stretch and see how far I could go. So it was more of a personal choice, I guess, a race against myself. (laughs) A race against myself. I like that. I like that. And do you think that that perspective has stayed the same now that you look back at, you know, not that it was that long ago, but a few years ago, now that you're in college, do you still have that same framework for making decisions? I believe so. Yeah. I, I tend to balance things a bit better now. I'm not quite as, you know, academics is everything. I'm trying to balance it with other things that are important. So for me, that's my spirituality, friendships, thinking forward. So. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That balance is, is really key, especially as you get older. What you talked in your essay to your reflections about blended learning, about the blended learning environment. 
What are your thoughts about the future of education and blended learning? Mm. I believe that with technology and um, especially now, I mean, we're probably all tired of hearing it, but with COVID and everything Mm -hmm. that's going on, um, I think that the internet and being able to do classes online has come to the forefront of more people's minds. And so being able to supplement in-class learning with online learning that kind of enables a student to work at their own pace, kind of figure out their own scheduling. I think that enabling the student to make that decision is is kind of key. Um, It allows them to understand. I mean, the student themselves know how they're going to learn best. Mm. And so enabling them to do that and to go through and decide if online is better or in-person is better or some sort of blended environment, which I think is best because it, you know, it's the best of both worlds. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It mixes the foundational traditional approach of being in person with the technology, which is what that we see in the workforce. So what, Jazzy, what would you say to an adult, whether it was um, a parent or a teacher, maybe a policymaker who in this time right now that we're in this pandemic, who said, well, you know, once we're through this time, we're going to, we are really looking forward to going back to how it was to sitting, you know, having kids in classrooms, using the traditional books and pens and pencils and paper, um, because this, you know, quote unquote, what they, what people put in and say online learning this, you know, remote schooling, it, it doesn't work anyway. So we're just going to bide our time and wait to go back to what it was. What, what would you say to them if you had a chance to have a platform in front of them with them? Mm. I would agree in part with them. Um, I don't believe that a full online without anything physical is the best option. I mean, how do you do biology online? You you need to have some sort of hands-on experience. But I would also say that there comes something with online now that is visual that enables students to help. I mean, we're, we're such a visual generation. We constantly have our phones and, you know, animated noise and these things that enable us to learn better now that that's kind of our world. So I think mixing it and adding those combinations is really beneficial to just how our brains work now. Yeah. And this is coming from somebody who's been in this blended environment for many, many years. So I think that's, what's really great about this podcast series and the work that we're doing at Future of School and that other organizations are doing in the nonprofit space of elevating the voices of students. So I'm going to give you a little bit it's a little trickier question, but I, I think you'd have some great wisdom for our listeners. What would you say to an adult who said, you know, kids shouldn't have a choice in how they learn? Kids have enough choices these days. They have enough, they have enough iPad time, they have enough tablet time, they have enough screen time. You know, we don't want to overempower them. They should all learn the same thing at the same time, at the same pace, because my gosh, that's what I did when I was in school and I turned out just fine. So we got, we have to stop this personalized learning pathway in, in K-12 education. Hmm. Well, I would think if we look back further in history to, I don't know, when Aristotle was being educated, learning was personalized. It, it was based on their own pace. Students weren't left behind or pushed forward. I'm, I was one of those students where when I was just online, um, I felt like I was being dragged behind, like I could do more. I know some of my classmates felt the opposite, where they it was too fast for them and they couldn't keep up and they needed to slow down a little. And so by making everybody learn the exact same way, I think you're really disadvantaging a lot of students 
in both ways. People who think that they can go further and push more and those who maybe need to stay, take a little step back, take it a little slower to really understand the information. Such great points. Really, really great. So my last question for you for the podcast, it is because we'll have to stay connected because you have so many, just so many pearls of wisdom in what you've done and how you articulate it. How do you think, if at all, what do you think the impact of the pandemic has been on K-12 education in our country? Well, like I said, I'm not an advocate of straight up online learning. I know a lot of students who um, the switch was really difficult for them and they can't just learn online. Their attention span just doesn't allow for that. They need to have that accountability of being in a classroom or being able to physically touch things, physically see their teacher. So I think that it has caused a lot of students to feel like they've taken steps back. I think that it's something we're probably going to deal with in the future when our generations graduate and they have some some gaps, perhaps, perhaps not. But I think that going strictly online and not having that accountability and that ability to really push your students in the classroom environment, it has been a disadvantage to a lot of students. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things we talk about at Future of School is that online learning, you know, it's been around since the mid-1990s. It's Mm -hmm. intentional. There's design behind it. It's been cultivated over time. There's a whole, you can get a degree in instructional design for online courses. So when the pandemic hit, what we saw was this quick shift to how do we keep our kids connected? How do we keep them engaged? And people were really surprised in our country. They were like, wait a minute, what do you mean every kid doesn't have a computer? Wait a minute, what do you mean people don't, everyone doesn't have the internet? And you you heard stories on the news of teachers and administrators saying, we we provide two meals a day for our students. These are the only meals that they have. Like I oftentimes are, you know, people didn't realize how much schools do to support students and that we weren't equipped to move overnight to quote online. So, you know, one of the things we talk about with parents is that what happened in the pandemic was crisis schooling or emergency schooling, which was different than what you experienced because you stepped into this, this amazing small school that had four or five different pathways that you got to choose from that were already designed. So that's something that we um, that's something that we talk about. My last last question for you is about choice and voice. What do you think the future holds in terms of the role of student choice and student voice in their education? I would just say a balance needs to be struck because at the end of the day, we are just children and. A lot of the times adults and teachers are going to know what's better for us. But at the same time, we parents and teachers do need to understand their students and their kids and listen to them because education, while it should be tough and challenging, also shouldn't be dreaded. I think that there's a way to make it so that students enjoy learning and are able to learn and see success along the way without making it super easy and nonsensical. So I think there's that balance where students need to voice where, yes, I can't learn auditorily or I really need to see a visual. And teachers and parents, I think, should try to accommodate that. Great closing. Thank you, Jazzy, for coming on today, sharing your perspective and experiences and inspiring so many of our listeners. We appreciate your time. Thanks for being with us for today's episode. To join the movement to create a future of American schooling, that ensures all students reach their unbounded potential, no matter where their learning takes place, visit our website at 
futureof.school. You can subscribe to our newsletter, learn about student scholarships and teacher grants, donate to our efforts, and more. To learn more about National School Choice Week and its year-round efforts to give parents access to the best K-12 options for their children, visit schoolchoiceweek.com.